We're in 1 Samuel, starting the historical books. We will try to take the historical books in a chronological order. So, it will probably take us quite a, quite a bit of time to go through Kings and Samuel and Chronicles. But we'll do it. We'll get there. So this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we'll be looking at the afflictions of Hannah. First Samuel was written by, mostly written by, the prophet Samuel. The time frame covers from judges in Israel to the kings, the beginning of kings in Israel. Samuel was the last of 13 different judges, but he was the first of God's prophets. Samuel had the distinction of anointing Saul and David as kings. Samuel declared to Israel, God desires to rule his people. But the people wanted to be like the nations around them. They wanted to have a king, and God allowed that. But never fail to see that man really cannot govern man. And if you look around the world, <laughs> there's a lot of governments, there's a lot of uh, dictatorships, there's a lot of democracies that are really kind of a mess. Man cannot govern man. Only God can govern man. But Samuel, he's a priest, he's a prophet, and he's a judge. He did everything but wear the king's crown. So let's begin 1 Samuel, and we'll look at verses 1 through 8. 1 Samuel. Now there was a certain man of Rathahim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zub, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other is Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priest of God, were there. And where... and. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Paniah his wife and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was... So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? There's a word of encouragement. Um, we have a, quite the scene there in the first opening verses of First Samuel. In verse 3, Shiloh has become the place where the tabernacle tent was pitched. This is where you went to worship and sacrifice. And the priest there is Eli and his sons. They're the Lord's priest. 
And notice Elkanah and his family go to Shiloh, and they go to sacrifice and to worship. Worship and sacrifice are hand in glove. They're tied together. Our worship, even today, has a cost to it. It costs you time, effort. Sometimes you have to put off plans of the, for the family or whatever and, and come to church to worship God. Worship gives us, though, an opportunity to be givers unto God. In our hectic world, it's hard to set your priorities in what is important and what is not important. And Elkanah sets those priorities for his family. You cannot truly worship God without giving to God. Thus, we have the term sacrifice. Elkanah and his family, they're there at Shiloh to worship and to sacrifice. And Elkanah, he would give portions to his wives, his children, and they in turn would give their offerings to the Lord. As parents, as fathers and mothers, we see Elkanah teaching his family the great value of giving offerings. Elkanah, he had two wives, Paniah and Hannah. Paniah was sort of a bully. A lot of advertisements on TV now about being a bully. But she would badger Hannah. And she would badger Hannah because the Lord had closed her womb. Now that's sort of cruel. But he would, Elkanah in turn would give Hannah though a double portion because he obviously loves Hannah more than he loves Paniah. And polygamy is never condoned in Scripture. It occurred, and we have Scripture stating the truth of polygamy going on. Uh, you remember back to Jacob. Jacob uh, was deceived, and he married Leah before his love, Rachel. And there was trouble in that family from day one. And Elkanah, he loves Hannah more than Paniah. But her womb is closed. And this was a curse in Israel in that time. Hannah, she is barren. And she has a constant reminder from Paniah who would flaunt her uh, barrenness before her face. Every chance Paniah had, she would taunt Hannah. She would say things like, come here, little Elkie, short for Elkanah, come to Mama. Don't you wish you could say that, Hannah? This was the kind of taunting that went on from Paniah. Polygamy by Elkanah has stolen the joy from his family. In verse 6, Paniah is Hannah's rival. She's her opponent. And year after year, Paniah provokes Hannah so severely, especially when they go up to Shiloh, that Hannah on this trip up to Shiloh, she refuses to eat. 
Elkanah comes along. He wants to comfort Hannah. And he says, why do you weep, Hannah? And why do you not eat? And then the great declaration, am I not better to you than ten sons? And you wonder, who needs that kind of comfort? <laughs> of all the things he could say, that was not perhaps a good one to say. So we see Elkanah, and he's so insensitive, so in the dark to the needs of Hannah. Listen to Elkanah's questions to Hannah. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Perhaps, Elkanah, Hannah is grieving. <laughs> you know, wake up. And so let's read verses 9 through 18 now. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the afflictions of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Hannah arises after all. All eaten, have eaten and drank, and there at Shiloh, and Eli the priest, he's sitting at his uh, position by the door of the tabernacle, and Hannah is desperate. She's bitter. She has bitterness of soul. She is depressed beyond words, and she weeps in anguish. The verbiage in the Hebrew here indicates Hannah is weeping uncontrollably. She can't help herself. Sorrow has overtaken her. And she must have relief from her hopeless situation and her predicament. Have you ever found yourself in a hopeless predicament? I think we all have. We all have rain come into our life. We all have trouble come into our life. And there's Hannah. She's reduced to bitterness and sorrow of soul. God sees this. Enter 
the Holy Spirit. Hannah is led by the Lord to make a vow to the Lord. And listen to her vow. O Lord of hosts, the Almighty God, if you will indeed look upon my affliction and remember me and do not forget me, and Lord, if you will give me a son, then I will give this son back to you all the days of his life. He will be a Nazarite to you. It wasn't long ago we studied Samson. Samson was also a Nazarite to the Lord. Samson uh, didn't behave in a wise way before the Lord, although he was a Nazarite. But God is paving a way. He's paving a path for a prophet, for a judge, and a priest to be born to Hannah. But all she sees at this moment is grief and sorrowfulness of heart. So let's look at a little bit at what Hannah had to endure for her to make her vow and promise to God. Years ago, I heard a word of lament from a, a man who had suffered what we would consider much for the Lord. And he had a little saying, whom the Lord uses, he abuses. Can I sign up for the ministry now? But you know, Christian history, it is chock full of people of God who suffered by the hand of God before entering their ministry. Paul in the New Testament suffered. Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah, and you know the story of Jonah and the great fish. Yeah, Jonah was not willing to go to Nineveh. He had to be persuaded. <laughs> but Paul in the New Testament, he's knocked to the ground by a bright light and he's, then he's told by the man who prays for him to receive his sight back the things that he must suffer for the Lord. Hannah has been chosen to have a son, a prophet to the Lord. And her sorrow is preparation for that son. Her sorrow is preparation for that son. And he will be a prophet. And she will dedicate her son to God. But she had to be reduced to tears, sorrow, for that prophet to be born to her. Samuel will be Hannah's greatest joy in life. It will also be her greatest sacrifice unto God, that she will give her son completely over to God. But Hannah had to be tempered by the sorrow in the oven of affliction. And I'm sure uh, you cannot appreciate that kind of thing until it happens to you. I'm convinced 
One of the reasons we are not given more of our prayer request answers immediately is God simply wants us to be thankful and appreciative when he grants our request. If God answered our prayers immediately after every time we pray, there would be no uh, desperation in our prayers. There would be no uh, true sorrow, perhaps, in our prayers. But God wants us to be thankful and appreciative of his provisions for us. Hannah has been beat up by the circumstances. Paniah, her rival, never missed an opportunity to rub it in that Hannah was barren. And then on top of it, Hannah's husband. He says to her, am I not better to you than ten sons? (laughs) There's a lot of comfort in that. (laughs) And all these calamities that come upon Hannah are not only allowed by God, they are part of God's plan for Hannah. This is God's plan coming to fruition. Hannah is tempered by what we call unfair circumstances. Yet God is building character into Hannah for all the days of her life, for her great dedication to the Lord, and for her giving her son back to the Lord. God requires that we suffer sometimes just so we can be thankful and appreciate him. I am, me personally, a much better servant to the Lord because of the things I have suffered. But you want to know something? So are you. So are you. You're a better servant unto the Lord because of what you've gone through. Hannah, she's also misunderstood by Eli the priest, who thinks she is drunk. Put away your wine, woman. <laughs> no, my Lord. I am not a I am a woman of a sorrowful heart, and I have poured out my soul to the Lord. Hannah declares, I have not drank wine or intoxicating drink. I am sorrowful, and then she says, not wicked. Not wicked. For Hannah to have been drunk in the tabernacle would have been wickedness. And she says, I'm not a wicked person. And then Eli, as a priest, he says, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your request, your petition." And Eli's blessing gives Hannah relief. It gives her hope. She leaves. She takes some food. She takes nourishment. And her countenance is no longer sad. She has accepted the blessing that the priest has given to her. A while back, quite a while back. You know I always go through the Lord bless you at the end. I forgot to give the blessing. It happens to the best of us. I forgot. And I had two people come up to me after the service. You didn't bless us. Well, hey, the Lord bless you. What do you you mean I didn't bless you? 
And I simply forgot. But it's good when a person in position of a priest or a pastor blesses the people. That is a good thing. And I try to be faithful to do it. But if I forget today, don't tell me I forgot. So anyway, she leaves, and she leaves with a different countenance because she now has hope. Hannah's faith in God that he has heard her gives her hope. It gives her a change of attitude. So let's continue the rest of this chapter, 19 through 28. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him, only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore I have also sent, lent him rather to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Notice in verse 19, the family rises early and worships and then returns home. A secret about me, I must do my studies and have my quiet time early in the morning while my mind is still with me. <laughs> Evening studies, for me, are a time to sleep. I can, follow, I can fall face first into my soup <laughs> at night. I don't study well at night at all. But God has heard Hannah's prayer, he's heard her request, and she conceives. She has a son, and she names him Samuel. And Samuel means, God has heard me. So she names her son after the fact that God has heard her. The following year, all the family go up to Shiloh for their yearly sacrifice, except Hannah and Samuel. Hannah will wait until Samuel is weaned, until he can sort of take care of himself. And when Samuel can care for himself, she will take Samuel to the tabernacle and let him remain there in a servant position forever for the priest, Eli, and his sons. 
But notice Elkanah's words to Hannah. Already, Hannah, you do what seems best to you. And may the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord be established. At least Elkanah isn't refuting Hannah's vow to the Lord. It's important, and I can't stress this strong enough, that as husbands and wives, we find ourselves not opposing God when we object to our spouse's leading of sacrifice to the Lord. Is your relationship open enough that you can say, I think we should give to this honey, and honey agrees? What if Elkanah had resisted Hannah? What if he had said, no, I don't think the Lord said, uh, give that boy to Eli. I want my son here at home with me. Samuel is an answered prayer for Hannah. Hannah is determined to give her son to the service of God at the tabernacle. Elkanah, at best, he is passive about his son being a servant to Eli, the high priest. And he tells Hannah, do what you think is best. We have one parent here determined to obey and sacrifice to the Lord, and the other, Elkanah, the husband, with an attitude of, okay, whatever. That's the best you can put on Elkanah. He's, he, he will just go along with it. Elkanah is not what we would call a devoted believer or husband. In fact, some people even question his character. But Hannah, she has been distraught. She has been weeping. Elkanah, with his words of comfort, he reminded her, I'm better to you than ten sons. And the answer to that, no, you're not. No, you're not, Elka. You're not better to her than ten sons. Your son, Elkana, will be Samuel. He will be a great prophet to Israel. He will anoint kings. He will anoint Saul. He will anoint David. And we have Elkana being very passive, just going along with Hannah's vow of dedication of Samuel to the Lord. Giving of sacrifice and offerings to the Lord or to the church in a married couple should be a vow of unity. If you do the books in your home, let your spouse know what you're doing for the church, where you both can be united in this giving as a married couple, we are one in the sight of the Lord. Not two, we're one. And Lori and I, whenever we're considering giving to a new venture or contributing to some need that we see, we will pray separately as to the amount that we should give. And sometimes, no, 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 most of the time, the Lord will give us the same figure for his giving. And that's a little confirmation to us that we're listening to the Lord as to what our giving should be.
Elkanah appears to be a noncommittal uh, father to his son's service to the Lord. He for sure is not an encouragement. He's just going along with Hannah. But Hannah, she is willing to give her greatest treasure in life to the Lord. She's giving her firstborn son. Verses 27 and 28. For this child I prayed, and the Lord granted me my petition, which I ask of him. I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He belongs to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Future look into Hannah's life. God opened her womb after Samuel, and she had three more sons and two daughters. So God gave her more children. But her son Samuel, she gave to the Lord as an act of worship and sacrifice. And it all came about by what she had to suffer. So if you're suffering before the Lord, he's got good things in store. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, help our attitudes, Lord. When we see unfair things come our way, may we realize in our heart that you're still Lord, you're still God, you're still on the throne, and you've got everything under control. Lord, we don't want to be uh, silver spoon children. We want to be children of yours that take what you give us and take it with a glad heart. Lord, we see how Hannah was so distraught, how she suffered inwardly, how she was even taunted, Lord. And then she took courage from the words that you had heard her and you would answer her request. And may we take courage from any circumstances that are around us that are uh, distraught or are just causing us to suffer, Lord. May we see the big picture. May we see that you're in control and that you cause all things to work together for good for those that love you. We want to be that type of Christian, Lord. So help us and be with us. Lord, we offer up our prayers, and all we can do is say, Lord, here we are. Do what is best in our hearts and lives that we may serve you completely. And we pray for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.